putting people on pedestals, don't we? And uh, I just want to say straight away that, you know, level ground the foot the cross. As I want to challenge you this evening, I want you to know that, you know, I, I've got my own issues, my own challenges. As I speak to you, I speak to you from a place of, I don't know, sometimes I'm more broken than other times. I, I live in a very, very depressing situation right now. And your situation might be super depressing. Uh, but Burundi is the poorest country in the world. It's the hungriest country in the world. It's got the highest rate of malnutrition. And it's been, came out UN survey as the most miserable country in the world. So, I mean, we are the bottom of the bottom of the pile. And, and, and yet that is, that is my home. That's been my life for 18 years. Uh, and so I will share some glory stories with you. But... You know, there's loads of sucker punches in the mix as well. And that's just being real, okay? Because I can't fake it. You can't, you know, it's, you, want, you want authenticity, don't you? You don't want fake sort of, yeah, bring it on, come to Jesus, and he'll take away your problems and make you happy. And that's a false gospel, isn't it? So let's agree on that from the outset. And this, this evening, I hope you are encouraged. I hope you are um, challenged. Some of you, you need nuking. Uh, you need a kick up the backside. Others of you, you're so hurting, you just need encouragement. And, and, and if you're in a place of real pain and brokenness, just, just take the encouragement, okay? That's all you need. I think sometimes we're just so <laughs> broke. We've had so many sucker punches. We just need to be encouraged. So please, you know, if, if you're in that place, just listen to the encouragement and hopefully there's some of that. But, but likewise, some of us, it's like, you know, 10 years ago, I was so much more in love with Jesus. You know, when we first got married, I was like, bring on the adventure. And then I just settled for a domesticated Jesus. A diluted gospel. A twisting the fruit of the truth. And in, in that very first challenge, you know, someone was like, yeah, that's me. But like, you know, in biblical speak, he can restore the years the locusts have eaten. If you think you've wasted the last 20 years in, in sort of spiritual mediocrity. But please, I, I really want from the outset to just to make it clear that I'm not saying I'm doing it and not, you, know, you bunch of losers, you're not. You know, it's, 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 it's not like that, is it? It's just, you know, it's, it's really tough. Now, I left this morning and I got a WhatsApp message. One of, one of my friends has been arrested. And being arrested in the country I'm from right now is, is a very scary thing. Is he alive right now? You get regular tweets of dead bodies. That just two days ago were alive, you know, fathers usually, even behind wives and kids. It's, um, it's very, very messy, and I've wept in the last two years more than I've cried in the previous 42 years of my life. You know, it's not easy. But Jesus didn't say it was going to be easy, did he? In fact, if it is easy, and I don't think many people in Zimbabwe have an easy life, but maybe there are a few. You know, if, if you're having an easy life, then I think you've missed it. You know, God blesses us and gives us good things. He is the Father who lavishes his love on his children. But if we sign up to truly follow him, then we become an enemy, don't we, to the prince of this world. And he concentrates his efforts on people who are the bringers of light and life and hope and meaning and purpose in the name of Jesus that we've just sung about. That name of Jesus that is so beautiful, that is so powerful. I was on the plane from Lusaka with an Indian, um, an Indian uh, Zambian called Shahil, lovely guy, passionate about Allah, and full of integrity as we talked. And as we mixed, you know, I'm Arsenal, he's Liverpool, as we mixed talking about football and talked about, talking about religion, you know, I think the only takeaway I, I, I could leave him really was that from my empirical experience of life in ministry is that, is that 
you know, that the name of Jesus is so powerful. And we have Muslims that try Allah and they try the witch doctor and then they come to us and say, will you pray in the name of Jesus? <clears throat> and demons cast out and healing brought, that sort of stuff. That's, that's, that's the name of Jesus that I want to exalt this evening. And, uh, you know, often I'm talking America or England or, you know, uh, in, a, in context that don't really get spiritual warfare. I think because, you know, we're in a country, uh, we're on a continent that it's rife. I think you'll be more attuned to that than maybe uh, some of the audiences I speak to when, it, when I'm not in, in, uh, on my home patch, as it were. But I'm going to share some stories. And, uh, and I, as I said, may you be encouraged and may you meet with Jesus. And we'll pray at the end. We'll pray for each other. We'll pray together. And let's just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But he must draw us close to Jesus, mustn't he? And that's the plan. And so if you didn't know where Burundi was, and, uh, and, uh, and they, they didn't have a clue where Burundi was, he invites me. He's like, is it West Africa? Asia? No, he didn't say Asia, but... <laughs> he did get within 4,000 miles, not bad. Uh, so that's, that's where it is. It used to be, until 1962, it used to be called Randarundi, from which you get... Miranda and Burundi. So in 1962, this Belgian colony was split in two, Miranda and Burundi. So next, next picture. Oh, I've got it. Oh, it doesn't. I, I thought I had another picture. Anyway, so it's the size of, uh, would you get that size of Wales or the size of Maryland? It's not a big place. Four hours driving top to bottom, side to side. And, uh, and, and see what happened in 2015. So I went out there. It was the most dangerous country in the world when I went out in 1998. Um, and I know it's the most dangerous country in the world because my mum, mummy sent me through a nice newspaper clipping charting the most dangerous countries in the world. I don't know if she was trying to encourage me or what. But, uh, and that was, part, that was a war that went from 1993 to 2005. 2005, we had peace, elections, democratic elections. A, a Christian president came in, full-on Christian president. Um, and then in, in 2015, he um, stood for a third term which was a second term in his supporters' minds because the first term was elected by the parliament, not by the people, and the constitution said two terms elected by the people. So both sides, you know, the opposition, like, you've had two five-year terms, clearly, you know, do the maths, and, and the other side saying, well, no, the, the first term didn't count. And uh, 2015, it kicked off big time, and we were probably the second poorest country in the world, but from a very low place, which is gone so much lower and so my experience every day in Burundi is people that I really care about coming to me saying I can't I can't get my kids to you know not private schools I can't go to public schools for you know sort of seven dollars a, a term it costs you know can't afford that I'm going out without sanitary towels you know I'm trying to I was trying to save every bit of money we can and we cannot afford to live we cannot afford to eat you know we go without food for two days so our kids can have one meal at least a day, that sort of stuff. So that's our, our reality. I know some people in this country are also going through that, but it's, it's very, very grim. And then these guys, they pulled out of the streets and they tried to seek regime change um, peacefully initially, and then it kicked off. And uh, you know, these guys are pr probably dead now because uh, there was a coup attempt and it failed, and then there's been a mopping up operation. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, that is my context. I'm there with my wife and my three children, and some people think we're nuts, but... Uh, you know, we have the choice. You guys have a choice. Every day we get out of bed and we make so many choices. Some of them are pretty foundational. Some of them are totally inconsequential, aren't they? You know, like, what did I have in my taste this morning? That's inconsequential. But am I going to choose today to live by faith or to live by fear? That's a big foundation block. And, uh, and we are choosing 
to live by faith. And we've counted the cost. And I, saying that as a father, this is when I, you know, lose the plot because, you know, I've got my three precious young children to look out for. It's tough, isn't it? And I went out there as a single young man, totally expected to die, was ready to die, and then uh, got married. And, and things didn't really change them because when I proposed to Lizzie, I said, are you ready to be a young widow? And she had to buy into the reality. You know, how far is too far when Jesus went that far? That's just my logic. How far is too far when Jesus stretches out his arms out wide and cross? Says, this is how far I've gone for you. And, uh, but it does change with kids. And so some people say, come, go back to England, go back, you know, look after your kids. And, but you know what? What's the best thing I can give my kids? It's, it's a demonstration of authentic faith, isn't it? It's giving them their own story them developing their own stories. I mean, we, we come from different sort of socioeconomic backgrounds here, but, um, you know, I think there's, there's so much out there in the world to, that is more initially enticing and tempting for our kids, isn't it, than Jesus. And because uh, Satan is the father of lies, he masquerades as an angel of light. When he lies, he speaks his own language. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he'll do anything to tempt our, our, our kids with, with, with good stuff, but it's very short term. He's got. And to me, the only way my, my kids are going to stand a chance is that if they, if they see faith modeled authentically and they develop their own stories. So, for example, when this kicked off, so it might even be in the day of that picture, who knows, as, as this went on for a while. Um, but I was like, Lord, I don't want, I don't want Lizzie to get raped. I don't want uh, the kids to be screwed up for life. I mean, I think of my. Dear evangelist colleague's friend, uh, daughter, who's, who's four years old, and she's, she, she wets herself every time she hears gunfire. That's trauma. Just So that could have been ten times a day at its peak. And my kids are not traumatized. Thank you, Lord. But, um, that was my real, very realistic concern. And I, Lord, okay, what do we do? Well, we choose faith. So it might be right to get them out of the country. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been there 18 years. I'm one of the... I mean, I'm 44, but you know, in terms of longevity out there, I'm one of the senior guys and uh, look to as a leader, community leaders. And if we left, then everyone's going to go. So I felt that responsibility as well, because you vote with your feet, don't you? And well done, a lot of you for voting to stay, because it's, because, and that's not judging the people that are gone either, is it? But you know, you love your nation. I presume you love your nation. That's why you're here. I love my nation. That's Burundi. I'm, I've got dual nationality now. And uh, if they're all trying to get different passports, no, I want the Burundian passport. I'm willing to die for this nation. And, and, and again, there's fruit comes from that, doesn't it? But um, I was like, Lord, please, you know, just, just show us what to do. And, and uh, he did very creatively. See, what happened was that my son, five years old, Josiah, he, he swallowed some popcorn into his lung. He's breathing like this. And he actually wasn't in pain. But um, it was, you know, it was stressful. And uh, after a few days, you know, it was shooting going on, roadblock at the end of our road, burning tires. Um, we went to the only American pediatrician in the country. And he said, right, we just need to get on the next flight out. That's a, any medics here. He needed a bronchoscopy, which is, you know, decently invasive surgery where camera and goes into the lung and sucks out that, that little thing, that little kernel, and uh, can do that in uh, 
Burundi, so you need to get out to get on the next flight. Well, the next flight was two days away, so we had, you know, chilled out farewells, game of football with friends and stuff like that. I only say that because a week later, the coup happened, kicked off, and all those friends evacuated, and evacuation is very traumatic. It's traumatic for an adult, because suddenly you never see your friends again, you know, across the world, don't come back. And, uh, but my kids missed that. They went back to England. Thousands of people were praying for us. And I was able to stay in peace, you know, you know just, just doing the work, being alongside my brothers and sisters, and they're suffering, but not concerned for, not for my family's sake. And uh, he had to finish his course of antibiotics before the operation. And the day of the operation, <coughs> he coughed it up. <laughs> and uh, what do you do with that? And that's a miracle. I've asked doctors about that. It cannot happen. That's two weeks later. It could not happen. It's like, God, it's... And, uh, you know, but I've also wrestled with that. Do you ever wrestle with the guilt of how blessed you are? Because they were back in England and they were given pastors, an empty house, they were given a free house, and the Christian school up the road, private school, said, yeah, you can come in for free. And so here I am with my family, fine, whisked out with free education, free house, and my friends are in refugee camps where it's not so free and comfortable. Really battle with that, the guilt of the blessing. But do you know what? One of the most challenging things Jesus says is to those who've been given much, much will be required. And I think just about everyone in this room, looking around, would recognize, you know, I've got my issues, but I've got more than 98% of this country. And the problem is that Satan is so clever, he always gets us to compare up with this thing. So I'm always lacking because I haven't got as much as that next person. And uh, you know, that's the way he steals our joy so easily. And the biggest gift that Burundi has given me is the gift of gratitude. And grateful people are happy people. And joy, well, joy is much deeper than happiness. And happiness is very fleeting. But you can have that base level joy that can defy circumstances. Jesus, you feel the joy before him. It endured the cross, scorning its shame. You can see beyond the, the, the immediate suffering. And uh, yeah, so I. I want to challenge us and encourage us tonight. And, so, and I just fire out these verses, and I hope that you know, they, just, they just ram home. This is actually, you know, Rand and Burundi both had that sort of genocide society. That's from one of the genocide museums there. there there's a map. So Rand is about the same size upwards again as Burundi, similar size. Tanzania, side, Democratic Republic of Congo there. Uh, so that's the book. I, I brought a few. There's just a few that I could fit in my luggage there if you want at the back. And there's 13 films and there's 13 chapters and they're good for life groups and that sort of thing. But that is where, you know, my concept of how far is too far, Jesus went that far. And you know, Romans 8, 30, well, that is Romans 8, 37. We are more than conquerors, but I think we sung about it, didn't we? Just now, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What's, what's your list? Shall trouble, a hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation would be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. The challenge is for us is, that, is, to, is to get the authentic gospel and not have it twisted. And so often it's twisted because we're all the more constantly influenced by consumer gospel, consumer Jesus, consumer culture, consumer society. And so, oh, the sermon didn't do much for me. 
on Sunday. Oh, the worship didn't really do much for me. And it's not about us, is it? But Romans 8, verse 35 and 37, there is that order. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You know, we are more than conquerors, but we're not triumphalistic. It's not, hey, hey, we got the victory. No, it's we are triumphant, but it's the other side of the trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, dangerous sort. And uh, in John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So we hold those two together. The gospel, that's a balanced gospel. You know, lots of branches of Christendom, they're all about, hey, take heart, we've overcome the world. That's, but if you just preach that, then that's imbalanced, isn't it? That's verse 37 of Romans 8. Back to verse 35, all that list. No, no, in this world you will have trouble. Some people are just about <clears throat> grim, you know, grim and suffering. You know, let's not be that either. No, let's, let's, let's marry them together. And, uh, and then we'll get it right. And there's another one, let's choose life. That's a book on a daily devotional. I was just wish, this is introduction really in terms of knowing where I'm coming from. I've got check, we've set up a charity out there called Great Lakes Outreach. We involved, we support ten local organisations out there like Youth for Christ and Scripture Union and Campus Evangelism and Muslim Evangelism. We've built three orphanages, four schools, three medical centres. You know, of excellence that are the best in their different uh, parts of the country. All the schools are the best in their respective provinces. The first English-speaking boarding school, uh, training up the leaders of the future, the elites of the future. Um, what else? Uh, We've reached the indigenous, the unreached people group there, the, the pygmies. We uh, pioneered the first Christian AIDS project out there, got street kids project. I mean, the list goes, I'm not saying it all, but it, all that to say, it's been massive. It's been amazing. And uh, I did go out there as a single nut job. And then, yeah, I was blessed with a lady to share the journey with. And then th- these three kids come along. And uh, what a blessing they've been. And I never get tired, and I'll tell this story at the men's weekend coming out, so you'll hear it again. But uh, it almost prefaces everything I, I share. Because that girl, I held her in 1996. And uh, she, when I was told her story, I was blown away. Because she started her life down a toilet. So her mum gave birth. No one knows who the mother was. Because she gave birth at the university hospital and through her down the, the, to- the toilet and, and a nurse was about to go to the loo and she saw this fetus down there in the toilet and the, the reason why she wasn't dead she, not it was because her neck was caught in the U-bed and they, they, they reached out and they, she, she fished out this little girl she got poo on herself in the process she cleaned her off she fed her through a straw like a little bird and she weighed just a few pounds and, and then that's her beautiful young lady. Isn't that fabulous? And then what I love is, is in the weaving of our lives together. Who could have believed that in 1996 that I was going to hold this girl? And I said to my wife, if the Lord ever blesses us with a daughter, I want to name her after this girl. Um, and, and 18 years later, she ends up being our babysitter. And uh, the reason I called those two girls share the same name is that my friend who adopted her gave her the most beautiful hands down. Grace. Because that's my story, and I hope, I think it's most of us, if not all of us here this evening. It doesn't matter whether they're multi-emerging rapists, pillaging idiots in uh, Central Africa, or very self-absorbed people here in Harare. It doesn't matter. We've all, that, God reaches down, doesn't he, into the pit of our lives, and he picks us up, he cleans us off, he says, you're beautiful. You're made in my image. I love you. Now come on, live for me. Grace. 
all in response to what he's done for us. That he took the, the filth on himself, our filth on himself in Jesus. And, you know, religion, and there's so much religion in the church, isn't it? And, uh, and Jesus was against religion, wasn't he? He, received, he reserved his fiercest criticisms for religious people who missed the fact that it was about relationship. And religion is trying to get out of that pit ourselves and work our way up. But, you know, that's impossible. You cannot get out of that pit. She couldn't get out of the toilet. Help had to come from outside. And that's Jesus, God with flesh on, who comes down. And he bridges that gap. And, and he does the work for us. And in response, we give him all grace. Isn't that stunning? And grace, actually, part of her story was that she, went, she was completely deaf from birth because they, put, they overdosed on the uh, antibiotics they put on her umbilical, umbil, umbilical cord because she'd been in the feces. And so she was completely deaf. And then aged nine months... Um, a pastor came and anointed her ears with oil. And when he anointed her ears with oil, she just started screaming. She screamed and screamed and screamed for three days. And they're like, what's wrong with Grace? It was only on the third day when when the other kids in the orphanage uh, slammed the door shut and Grace on the bed that they realized it's because she, she was screaming because she, she'd been healed. And she's now... She's now living the dream. She's on scholarship in America studying journalism. I mean, isn't that God... That's, that's the God of the impossible. Love it. And this is my colleague who I'm handing on the ministry to. He's uh, the most amazing man I've ever met. And uh, I have the privilege of working with lots of amazing people. I mean, I think when you had your wife or your mother, you know, raped and then kids killed and that sort of stuff, and you're still in the game for Jesus. I haven't been through that stuff. And so I get the privilege of uh, suffering alongside, coming alongside people, incredible brothers and sisters of faith. And, and this is the man that... You know, what a dream is that I get to hand on the ministry to someone who, this is not false modesty, who is way more capable than me. You know, trained as a lawyer, never practiced law. The Lord nailed him to start an indigenous missionary movement out there in Burundi, which he's done for the last 12 years. And he's handed on that ministry and he's coming in to take my, my, my position so that I can go off and have a quiet life somewhere else. And, uh, and one of the many things we do, oh, I thought there was going to be a picture on it. Well, we did this last month. We've done it for 12 years in a row, is that each... Uh, August, for two weeks, we send out hundreds of youngsters, evangelists. They're just young people that are keen to tell about Jesus. And they go out into the bush, and they cast out demons, and they heal the sick, and they get beaten up, and they do the modern-day Acts of the Apostles. You know, we read about that stuff, and sometimes through our lack of experiential reality of that, we construct a theology that says that that was for the apostolic era only, or for the advancement of the gospel in unreached areas uh, but uh, these guys go out there and uh, I mean literally just about any miracle in the book of Acts I can just separate you know but, but instead of that but whichever part of the world and and, uh, and we've probably seen one percent of Burundi come to Christ through that we've probably seen a hundred thousand people come to Jesus through doing that for 12 years and, and uh, you know in one instant so this, this is the sort of stories that I didn't want to do Shahil's head in on the plane today as we're talking but uh, you know, it's like one incident, this lady was like, F off, you know, we don't want to hear about your Jesus. And they're like, right, easy. And as they retreated, uh, she said, oh, no, no, come back, come back. I'll let you, I'll let you talk to uh, my village. But first of all, sh- show me Jesus' power. So here's this demon-possessed girl, heal her. So what she was saying was, don't just talk a good power. Just don't, don't, don't just talk a good game. Show us the power. And so they gather around this, this girl that the whole community knew was demon-possessed. And they prayed over her in the name of Jesus. All those different voices were identified 
and cast out in the name of Jesus. And, and, and a few minutes after that lady was saying, F off, you know, now she falls to her knees with 20 other people in the village and gives their life to Christ. That's our Jesus again, isn't it? Not this summer, just gone, but last August, so what's that, sort of 14 months ago, uh, a woman in hospital, her, her, her son was pronounced dead. And as you'll have probably heard, wailing, this horrific wailing of the morning. And uh, one of our evangelists in the hospital heard, and he rushed in there. And, you know, they covered him with a sheet, taking out the tubes. And uh, he just felt led by the Spirit to speak life back into that body. And he declared life. And this boy came back to life. And 40 people in the hospital on the, on the spot gave their lives to Jesus. That's our Jesus, isn't it? So, yeah, there are glory stories, but there's also the sucker punches in the mix. And, 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 they, and, and we sh- I've got to share both of you, haven't I? But as we're part of the worldwide body of Christ, wherever I go, I say, please, will you pray? So, can you just help me with that? One there. Could you stick that on that, bro? And you don't have to sign this up. Uh, but if you, if, you stick your, if you stick your email down, can you just pass it to the first row, this first person? Um, uh, don't, don't stick your email down if you don't want to but if, if you do the benefit I get in leaving wherever I go and preach I just say can, can you pray you know we are literally the bottom of the pile I mean you know where would Jesus want his troops he wants them everywhere but he really 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 wants people there and, uh, and so you know in me coming you never knew about Burundi what is Burundi is it a piece of cheese and now you realise it's a country and now you realise it's brothers and sisters and you can be a part of the redemption of the world beyond this country which also needs masses of prayer and we get the privilege of sharing that. So just pass it on if you're too busy, you've got too much stuff to pray for, but if you can, wonderful. Uh, I think this is the last photo. Yeah, it is. That's the last photo of that girl uh, you saw me with. Woman, sorry. She, um, that's giving you an idea of the sort of stuff people have been through because she was given the choice of how to die. She could choose to be machete to death. She could choose to be machete to death or club to death. Or if she, if she had five pounds, she could buy her bullet. And she didn't have five pounds, so she chose to be clubbed to death. And she was cracked on the back of the head and fell into this mass grave. Eight of her family were already dead in that grave. And she was buried. And then uh, a few hours later, someone walked over that grave and they heard a whimper and it was her. She was actually still alive and they fished her out of the grave. So this bloodied mess and the killers were still there high on their drugs and witchcrafty stuff and they were freaked out they thought she was a ghost and they just let her walk away this bloody mess and now look at her beautiful young lady she's actually married a pastor she's had two of her own kids and she's adopted four kids from the other tribe now you can sort of get the significance but we can't really in a country that's so utterly defined along tribal lines the two main tribes of Hittus and Tutsis and the precious woman is demonstrating the gospel in the most stunning way of adopting the ones that killed mine. And that's the hope, isn't it? That's the hope. And incidentally, you know, in this room, there'll be decent wounds. It could be wounds from 50 years ago, 70 years ago, last week. But, you know, if you hold on to that wound or you, you don't deal with that wound, if we paper it over, we try to cover things up, it's still there. And none of us has been through what I've just described there. But that doesn't belittle the horrific stuff you might have been through. And I would say, even tonight, you can bring it to Jesus. And he can give you healing. And he might do it like that. Or he might do it so might. Let's have a 10-year journey in counseling. But let's do it. Let's bring it to Jesus. 
Uh, I haven't got a picture of this other boy. We're done on the pictures now. But uh, you know, in terms of a beautiful story of forgiveness, there's this one little boy down the road from me. I've got a picture of me uh, holding him in my arms, and he's the size of a three-year-old, although he's eight years old. He's the size of a three-year-old because when, he's, when he was three, he watched his mum and dad hacked to death, and the killers forced him to eat his dad's genitals. I mean, that's a sort of sick reality of what goes on in war. But, uh, and literally, the physical shock stopped him from growing. So at age three, he's there. Four, he's there. Five, eight. Eight years old, he's still down there. And I've got him in my arms like that. Just stunted, stopped growing. And then age eight, he hears Jesus' word. Not audibly. He hears the Bible verses. Love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. If you want to be forgiven... You must forgive. If you won't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And so, eight years old, in his childlike face, he said, all right, Jesus, I forgive those sickos. And do you know what happened when he forgave them? He started growing. Literally. Physically, as well as spiritually, emotionally, metaphorically. Some of you this evening are still three years old. Jesus wants you to be freedom that he said it's free, isn't it? I mean, that's a different context in terms of Galatians 5 that's talking about freedom from the, from the law, but, but it's the same context. We're free. He's there to, come to bring us freedom. That's what he wants for every single one of us. Now, some of you are thinking, you know, you're doing that. I can't do that. Well, you don't need to do that because you're you and your context. What you need to do, this is all you need to do, is pray the prayer that took me to Burundi. So why did you go to Burundi, Simon? Why you went to England's most expensive school? So all right, so you privileged upbringing, and then on that conveyor, I went to England Sports University, Loughborough, and uh, then I got a good job. So I was on that conveyor belt, conveyor, conveyor belt to success and affluence, and uh, and I pray this prayer: God, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. Now, that's not a hard prayer to pray. I mean. We've got to count the cost, haven't we? Lord, I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere. I don't want to go through the safety of existing when you offered me the adventure of living. I want to make my life count. I don't want to get to the end of my life and be sat there in a recliner with a shriveled soul and loads of stuff and think, I just missed it. I played it safe. Anyone, anyone want to get to the end? end of their life and be sat there in a recliner with a shriveled old loads of stuff think I just missed it do, you, do we want to be that? <clears throat> I mean put in those terms no one so pray that prayer Lord I'll do anything I'll go anywhere and then how he speaks is his call I mean how he spoke in my context was that I um, I, I, was, I was I took time out of that job I did a one year preaching course in London and throughout that year, I was saying, bring it on, Lord. I'm single. I'm available. No strings. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. I don't want security. Because security is a mixed blessing. Because when we're secure, then we don't need to trust in God. Amen? That was a somewhat lame amen. But, but you know, it probably was because we do want security. Let's be honest. But then when we put our security in our stuff then let's call it out for what it is. That's idolatry. And I know, and I say this for humility, I know you have been stripped of a lot of that stuff. And that's very painful even to hear. But you know what? Maybe the stripping is what will actually draw you to Jesus and move beyond the domesticated 
diluted version. That's the best prayer you can pray in the world. I'm in. You went that far? How far is too far? I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. And we're all different, so I can do what you can't do, and you can do what I can't do. We've got different skill sets, passions, giftings, that sort of stuff. And, and, and there I was, and uh, so I don't want security, Lord. And, 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 and then slowly on the end of the course, it was the second last day, and everyone else had their job security lined up for, for Monday morning, and I didn't. I was like, Rayleigh, God's saying, flip it out, Lord, come on, answer me. And, uh, and I received a scribbled piece of paper with a number on it, a name and number. He said, this guy's trying to track you down. So I, I, I rang the, the number, and this guy said, we've got to meet. And we met up in Bishopsgate, which is the Wall Street in London, in the city of London. And I didn't know who on earth this guy was. And he starts talking. He says, my name's Robert DeBerry. And I've been praying. And I believe God sent me to you. And he wants you to go to Burundi. And move on to youth and mission and evangelism. Heart thumping in my chest. And thank God, is this what you've kept? So I said to him, all right, thanks, weirdo. I'll think about it. I'll be spiritual. I'll pray about it. And I went back to my job. Actually, they kept it open for me. So I went back, short term. I was in front of the computer. I said, all right, God, right now in front of the computer. If you want me to go to Burundi, that means leaving family, friends, security, dosh, going to the most dangerous country in the world, where I might get killed. People have tried to kill me. Uh, people I care about being killed. So, Lord, I'd really appreciate a radical sign to to justify this radical change of career. Now that's a specific prayer, isn't it? You know, I think sometimes, well, I think always we can pray more specific prayers. I think unquantifiable ones are quite hard to see if they're answered. Anyway, in his mercy, Lord, give me a radical sign, please, to justify this radical change of career. The phone rings. I pick up the phone. And the voice on the other end says, do you know anyone? who wants to work in Burundi. What do you do with that? So, so that was my call 18 years ago. Literally, that phone call is why I'm in Burundi. Isn't that nuts? I've come across this lovely verse in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. It's my verse of the summer, if you like. As, you know, sometimes the Lord nails you with something. And uh, it's this, you know, I've done the Bible in the year, I don't know, 10 times maybe. So I must have read that verse at least 10 times, and it, I just missed it. I think sometimes we blast through our scripture reading, don't we? And, and we, we miss these nuggets. And you might have never heard this verse or gone over it like me umpteen times. And the verse is this, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. Who's up for it? Come on, bring it up to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And I think in his mercy, he was looking down there right now. That was in uh, August the 6th, 1998. He was like, all right, who's up for it? Who's up for it right now? There's Simon Gilbo, fickle duffer. He's got his issues. I'm going to use him to change the world. And all I can say is looking back those 18 years, I've probably seen a few hundred thousand people come to Jesus. That is mind-blowing, isn't it? But it's not me. It's not amazing me. I know the fickleness of my own heart. But God is amazing. And what's it worth? And what do we want to see? And how much do we love our nation? And do we love our stuff more than we love people? And do we cling to safety? When he's saying, trust me. Leave the fear. Ditch the fear. Live by faith. 
So I'm seriously not bragging about myself. It's all grace, isn't it? What an incredible privilege to be a part of that. And that's my call. That's no one else's call here. Please don't come up to me afterwards and say, I've been praying that prayer, Simon. I haven't had a phone call from God. You know, you don't have to have a phone call from God, do you? You've just got to pray that prayer. And then, well, I mean, how does calling work? You could all do a whole sermon series on calling. Sometimes it's, it's just, you know, you knock on a door and it opens and you walk through. It could be the peace of the Spirit. It could be someone speaking into your life. It could be a verse that really strikes you. You know, there's all sorts of ways, isn't it? I mean, in Genesis chapter 12, God said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. So the revelation was progressive, and the deal of him fulfilling his calling meant just walking with God and not having all his ducks lined up in a row, not being in control. But you see, we love being in control, but as soon as you're in control, then you don't live by faith. So you have a faith, but you don't live by faith. And that, we might self-diagnose this evening and say, yeah, I definitely have a faith. I do love Jesus, but I'm not living by faith. I'm totally in control. The last risk I took was 42 years ago, you know, or whatever. He's saying we need to be regularly risk-taking. And, 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 you know, I can't do that by myself, honestly, because I'm scared. I'm scared what people are going to think of me. But I can if you'll come with me. We can do this as a family. We can do this as a life group. And when I say, you know, when I talk about, you know, the kids developing their own stories. You know, Joss, age five, he's like, bring it on. I've got a great story. You know, I've seen God literally intervene in my life. And we'll only get those stories if we don't just play it safe in the suburbs. Now, hear that. as soon as I say that, you're like, oh, I can't be in the suburbs. No, you know, there's a mission field in the suburbs, isn't there? But, 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 but it means stepping out of the comfort zone, however we define that, whatever that looks like. But not doing it as lone rangers, because lone rangers are very easy to take out. Doing it together as community, as life groups, as church, capital C, small c, as, you know, prayer triplets, whatever it is. I'm in, Lord. I'll do anything, I'll get anywhere. And uh, it has been amazing. But, you know, would I have bought into it if he'd shown me what what it involved, you know, if he was gigging. Do you see what I mean? You just get enough grace for today. And uh, I think I still, because I, I really don't want to overplay the, the cost, you know. I haven't paid the ultimate price in terms of my life or loved ones, as a number of my colleagues have. But it is costly, definitely costly. But it's worth it. And that's why I want you to count the cost for this evening. And ask some pretty deep questions. Say, am I in? Am I really in? Am I just talking a good game? You know that, that just, that, my favorite worship song, I love the words, and I've already quoted Luke, what is it? 12, 48, maybe it's, to those who give much, much will be required. It's a, it's a Matt Redmond song. Show me the way of the cross once again denying myself for the love that I've gained. Everything's changed now. Everything's you. It's time you've had my whole life. The eyes are not raised out of the strength of those whose hearts are committed. You can have it all. I've given like a beggar but live like the rich. I've crafted myself a more comfortable cross. But what I'm called to is deep in this. It's time you had my whole life. Jesus had it all. So I resolved to give it all. Some things must die, some things must live. Not what can I gain, but what can I give? If much is required, when much is received, then you can have my...
whole life. Jesus have it all. Now the eyes of the Lord this evening are ranging throughout Harari. I can't get more specific because I know nothing about Harari. North Town, is that where you live? Northward, there you go, clueless. But the, the eyes will range throughout this room right now. This is holy ground. And you know what? It doesn't have to be you, sister, and you, brother. It could be all of us. I mean, the fact is, yeah, you know, evening thing, midweek, I think we're keen, hopefully. We come because we're keen, because we're hungry. This could be all of us sort of stepping over the line this evening uh, afresh and I have to do this regularly because you know as we keep in step with the spirit as we're called to it's so easy to plateau isn't it and to tread water and and, and to lose our, our sharpness it needs to be iron sharpening iron so we need relationships where we don't just get together and slip to the lowest common denominator but actually you know not in a kind of legalistic but iron sharpening iron raising the bar of what is authentic discipleship and asking those challenging questions and and encouraging one another spurring one another on to love and good deeds and and uh, you know the potential in this room is massive isn't it because you know jesus took 12 largely knuckleheads didn't he and he the holy spirit came and changed the world we were, we're way, more, way more than 12 and our circles our influence here are humongous through the generations imparting it to the next generation putting a mark on the ground so look i'm my, my, my kids don't see me act in any way different to their non-Christian parents' kids. You know, that'd be a, an honest reflection, maybe. And I said, well, well that's going to change this evening, isn't it, darling? And we, put, we count the cost together and mark her in the ground. Or, you know, I really want my grandkids to, to, you know, I want to be more intentional in terms of how I spend time with them and investing in them. And, and I've got, you know, I, I always want to endorse you older generations because, because, because so often it's like, I'm going to, I've done my stint, I'm going to coast in self-indulgence to the grave, when actually, this is the time of your life you've got the most to offer, because you've got the most time, you've got the most wisdom that's accrued, you can mentor and invest in the next generation, and I love sharing the story of my, my granny, because she, she's a good challenge for me, and she is one of my heroines, so, you know, my granny, when she was 83 years old, having gone out to Randarundi in 1939, um, and, and she, they spent most of the time in Rwanda. But, but when Grandpa died, they retired by this stage in England. And, and, but once, once he died, and often the bloke gets the credit in one of these relationships, which is wrong anyway. But you know, Grandpa had translated the Bible and, and founded Scripture Union in Rwanda and built the best school in the country. So those are their three life works, really. But you know, he got the credit. But when he died, Granny's like, she's 83 years old. She says, in England, you're just going to stick me in an old age home. Whereas in Rwanda, I'm an umukechu. I'm a wise old dame. And, and, and so she's like, I'm going back out. And she went back out, age 83, to work with widows as a widow. And she had a work cut out because in her area, there were 15,000 widows from the genocide. And so she started a widows meeting. And the first week, 30 widows came. And the next week, 80 came. Then 100, then 200, 300, 400. And they had to split them into two groups because they couldn't fit them into the cathedral. Then they started taking the widows' daughters and teaching them a trade because without... Their father there, they're routinely taken for sex. And she was part of this incredible, empowering movement in the community. It was stunning, it was beautiful. As the widows, you know, because they pledged 2p or 2 cents or whatever currency, you know, piddly amount each week times x hundred. You know, after a few weeks, they, they had enough money to buy just a panya, panya, uh, which is just a, like a, um, 
just a cloth, you know, that you wear around to keep yourself warm. But identifying, it's like it's like their uniform, the widow solidarity around the whole city. And when they see each other, they help each other out. And whilst the men are just drinking banana beer and escaping their reality, these women were self-helping, building each other's mud houses. It was beautiful. Now, fast forward three years, and Granny's now 86 years old. And this is her last day in action on planet Earth. And they'd long prepared this widow's meeting in a packed cathedral. And she, she, you know, she got up there. And she, you know, she's so old and wrinkly and doddery old battle axe. She's, and she, she preached for an hour. You know, and you know, she was Cambridge educated, so she's totally sharp up here. But she, and she let rip on them for an hour. And, and, uh, a, and then there's, there's the last photo of her taken alive. She was doing the traditional in the hoodie dance like that. And then she said goodbye. And in French, you got two words. For goodbye, what are they? Au revoir and adieu. So au revoir is to the re-seeing, and adieu is to God. And I'm guessing the Holy Spirit just whispered to her, it's game over, baby, you're coming home. And she said adieu. And then she, she waddled home. She had a game of scrabble. And then she had a stroke and went to be with Jesus. Don't you want to live like that? Don't you want to go that way? And this will sound a bit sort of facetious, but, you know, the one benefit as a grandkid you get when your grandparents die, what might it be? They might leave you some money. Well, all granny left us was some disgusting, tasteless, hand-knitted jumpers. Because she had put it all in the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also, says Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Where's your treasure? We've got this incredible hope. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. That's 1 Peter 1 3. It's incredible hope. But why aren't more people asking us about our hope? Maybe our colleagues, our neighbors, family members that don't yet know Jesus, why wouldn't they ask us about that hope? Well, maybe it's because we look like we hope in the same stuff that they do. They say, I want you to live like you believe it's true. And it'll be costly. So it's not the soft sell. Go to another speaker for that. But it's exactly where he wants you to be. That's amazing. Because that's life and life to the fullest and his fullness of life came in 33-odd years. And I genuinely thought that mine was going to be under 30. As, you know, one time, for example, 40 people were killed as I got through these ambushes. You know, it's a great way to live. Because if you think you're going to die next week, you're not going to waste six hours a day in front of TV watching the golf or on your Xbox or whatever they're called. Because it's too much to live for, isn't there? We've got a purpose. Preaching to myself. It's easy to slip into apathy. Lack of urgency. Any of you need to hear that? If you self-diagnose, you know, total urgency for Jesus and languid apathy this end, where are we along there? Well, may the ceiling be part of <laughs> moving that way. It's urgency. And I pray. I, I, I preached once on the on the uh, Congolese border. Parable of the ten virgins. You remember that one, Matthew twenty-five? Those ten girls all had a role to play. And, and, and five just weren't ready. Didn't have enough oil. So when the lady 
party arrived. They trimmed their lamps, didn't have enough. Lob us some of yours, lend us some. No, enough, I'll go and buy your own. So they had to rush up and buy their own. Meantime, they went in, door shut. Party time, because that's the picture of the kingdom. And then they run, arrive late. Hey, can you let us in? They heard this horrific pronouncement. Dabagirukuri Simbazi. I tell you the truth. And you know, some of Jesus' par- parables are very nuanced and complex, and others are just not rocket science at all. That, that's, that's a pretty easy one to understand, isn't it? Jesus is coming, nobody knows when, are you ready? Those are my three points. Jesus is coming, nobody knows when, are you ready? Well, some people responded, some didn't. I'm guessing some are thinking, eh, maybe you know, I want to stay in my wild oats a bit longer, do my own thing, maybe next year. Anyway, two, I can't remember, two or three days later, I'm on my motorbike driving towards that village, stopped at a roadblock by the soldiers. There's a rebel attack, those guys are getting killed. And it sort of struck me as never, never before the sheer urgency of our message. Because who on Sunday could have believed that two or three days later, Jesus came? And they were dead. Now, brothers and sisters, may you be infused with a greater sense of urgency now. And it often takes tragedy for us to get there. May it not. May we just hear that this evening. Let's maximize tomorrow. Let's maximize the coming week. Let's enjoy the rhythms of grace. So it doesn't mean we have to live like the Thermocarge nutcase the whole time because that's not sustainable, is it? But journeying together in community, doing this together. And there's definitely a sufficient number of people that have, that have heard this this evening that could, we could covenant together and say, we're going to do this. We're going to model this together. And we're going to rock a hurry for Jesus. And the the ripple effect will go much, much further. And it will go generationally as well. So I've just sprayed you with a whole load of stream of consciousness, stories, verses, challenges. What was for you? What was for you? You can't take it all. I think God wants one or two things. So what did, what did he want you to hear this evening? I repeat, if you're just broken and knackered, exhausted, just be encouraged. Hang on in there. Hang on in there. Don't give up. He's worth it. Take him some knocks. Don't don't doubt his faithfulness. I get I get my kids to memorize scripture, and one of the verses they know is one Corinthians one Thessalonians five twenty four. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The verse we've learned this week, and we don't do one every week. I misrepresent. The verse we've done this week is Isaiah twenty six verse three. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And uh, they, you will keep in perfect peace. Perfect peace, that's shalom, shalom. And why am I teaching them that? Because every day I wake up and I don't, I'm not naturally going to experience perfect peace in Burundi. Why would I? That's not very peaceful. So that's what I give back to you. And you might never see me again. That's totally fine. See you in glory. Let's get there and say, we gave it all we, all we had. Let's model it to the next generation. Let's start reprioritizing what we've got. And he is the giver of good gifts. So, you know, we're not ascetics. That's, that's too far one way. That's in this world, you'll have trouble. But, but let's not be too far the other way. We embrace the goodness of God, but you embrace not a comfortable cross. Embrace the cross, and we know Luke nine twenty three. If anyone would come after me, he or she must 
Nice earth. Take up cross daily and follow me. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for, as we think of that verse, forgive us for when actually um, we realize that we haven't been following you. We've been expecting you to follow us on our terms, at our convenience. We repent of that, Lord. Last week's verse that we taught the kids was, you'll know this one, Numbers 6, 24 to 26. We just want to bless everyone the whole time. Everyone who comes into our house, we speak this over them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So Father, I want to bless our brothers and sisters here this evening. Bless those that are married, I bless them. Those that are single, I bless them in Jesus' name. We bless grandparents, we bless parents, we bless, bless, bless teenager students, we bless those employed, unemployed. Lord, may we receive that blessing right now. May we walk in your favor. And now, if you're up for it, I'm going to invite you to stand, but just don't stand unless you're up for it. This is a costly prayer. This is just a prayer of being all in. So if you are all in, if you resonate with what I'm saying this evening, and we are saying we cannot do this on on our own, it's only by grace, but if you are saying, I want this, I want to live this way, then will you stand with me right now? And we're going to pray pray this prayer together. So this is not a soft sell. Don't don't stand unless you're up for it. But I hope that uh, as many of you are as possible. So count the cost. Let's lift our hands to God. Come, Holy Spirit. You're so welcome here. You were here way before this building existed, way before we got here this evening, but in a very uh, tangible sense, we want to uh, experience your reality this evening. And Lord, I thank you, first of all, and bless the integrity of brothers and sisters who still sat because they're counting the cost and they're just saying, I'm, I'm not ready right now. I've still got this to deal with. Lord, if it's, a, if it's a lie that they're believing that I'm not good enough yet and I'll sort that out and then, Lord, none of us will ever be good enough. We confess that. But if there are stuff that we need dealing with, idols that need to be smashed, issues that need to be addressed, Lord, I pray that uh, we'd get there sooner rather than later. And those of us that are standing, we're not saying we're any better. We're just saying, this evening, we hear your voice, we hear your clarion call to sign up, to step over the line, say, I am in. My banner will be clear. As the eyes of the Lord range over Zimbabwe and Harare right now, looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him, that's me. So I give you my life. I give you my past, my present, my future. I give you my depression, my despair, my anger, my dashed dreams, my disappointments, my hurts, my bitterness. I give you all that bad stuff. I give you the, the good stuff, the longings, dreams, the hopes, the aspirations, the ambitions. I give you my family, my desire for family. I give you my job or lack of job. I give you my, my, my hobbies, my free time, my health, everything and say, I am in. And Lord, would you just seal in us this evening 
the one or two things that you want us to take home and live out differently. Keep pressing it, keep pressing it. And you continue speaking to us. I don't want anyone to leave without what the Lord wants to seal in us this evening. By his grace, for his glory, in his name. For some of you, you might have to go. If you don't have to go, I think this is a beautiful holy space to do business with God. You might want to do it with someone. I'd urge all of us to have two questions that we go with it away this, this evening. Those two questions are, which, which thing did you want me to take from this? And the other question is, what am I going to do about it? What was for me this evening? What one line, one scripture, one challenge, one affirmation? What was it? And what am I going to do about it? And if you came with someone else, wrestle with that. Nail it so there's a practical outworking in this evening. Be accountable for it. You might want to pray with someone. You could, you could come to the front if you want uh, one of us to pray with you. There's freedom in this place. Once we have a couple of songs now and, and a chance to respond, would you, would you continue to manifest yourself amongst us? We love you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, thank you. So, dear respond.